Hello, and welcome to The Arteries. We're a weekly podcast where we talk to creative people about how and why they do what they do. I'm your host, Noel Duplat. This week on the show, I'm sitting down with Dean Venture, the mastermind behind Venture Presents, a pretty major up-and-coming name in the promotion game in Ireland. We chatted about the labour of love that is making and promoting music in Ireland, the bad old days of pay-to-play gigs, and how to solve all of the problems facing the arts industry in Ireland, possibly involving robots. But yeah, we were talking there, you were saying uh, you actually uh, DJed on... Uh, you did interviews and stuff on Radio Made. What was it? It was Deaf House. Deaf House, yeah. How long um, was that going for? We did it for, oh, I think we did it for the best part of about two years. It was actually funny enough, uh, do you know Dave McGowan? He's in Bodies. Yeah. Uh, so he started off doing the radio show, Jack Olin Asimon, and then I was his first guest, and then he was just like, well, that went really well. Do you want to just do it each week? And I was like, yeah, why not? This seems like a bit of crack. Like, And before that, I'd been on Play FM. So I had a, like a kind of tech house, delved into techno and, and house vibes kind of like for two hour slots kind of uh, each week, which was cool because we had the frequency as well. So even when you're in a taxi, you could hop in and you'd hear one of the lads playing tunes. So I was like, get the station on. But uh, the Deaf House thing was cool. We mixed it up between just talking about music that my uh, myself and Dave liked or Dave myself and uh, getting guests in so we kind of tried to mix it up a little bit even with the guests they wouldn't mightn't have to be heavy bands but they might have a lot of heavy influences or likes themselves so yeah that that was fun that went on for a while unfortunately radio made is kind of no more has has that kind of wind down yeah i think jack is also like uh one of those busy busy people that he just couldn't kind of keep it going anymore it it was eating his own pockets a little bit and time and when you kind of give something that much love i mean it was great it was a great community it was it was what what went out on the air was fantastic but just sometimes uh, these things just get called uh, you know you have to just nip it in the bud and kind of move forward you know and i think he did kind of offer it up a little bit for somebody to take over but it was those things don't last like, because it was the first hands to begin with that had the vision, the passion and that drive. And when they kind of leave, it just doesn't stay the same. It happened with uh, Play FM as well. It was like taking over and I won't get too nasty about it, but um, I don't think I wasn't very fond of the person that took over. And I think a lot of the people that were on Play FM had, had shows for a long time, just the same thing across the board. They just didn't feel it afterwards, you know. Uh, through one reason and another and I think yeah sometimes they're just best kind of just left lie really and what what were the changes though what, what was happening within it or was it just like a personality kind of thing I think uh, it was see it happened with Rory Lester he started years ago and then he would be kind of big in the dance house scene for ages back in like Temple Theatre and stuff like that kind of we kind of stretch back into like the Donald and Ian era and stuff like and then Carl Lambert who still goes with his live and kind of DJ uh, pseudonym Groove Boy he kind of took the reins a little bit when Rory got a bit busy and then he kind of fully took over and then it was just too much for Carl after a while and it was like too many people just not being able to contribute time and money to keep the place alive and then he just ended up chasing everybody all the time he just sold the thing on and then the guy that came 
came in was just a little bit of a my way or the highway kind of thing. And after all the love and time people put in, it just wasn't the attitude people wanted, really, I suppose. I like I, I don't even know if it's still alive, to be honest. It's very rare that the radio frequencies kind of come my way. It would be a case of just podcasts and listening. I'm not like, I don't drive, so there's no in-car radio. And even at that, I'm sure the plug-in device would, I've taken over. <laughs> That's it, yeah. But yeah, no, I, weirdly, I, I like I only listen to radio when I'm in the car. And even then, it would be, you know, if I'm tired of the CDs that are in my car at the time, I have a CD player. My car is old. But uh, yeah, just flukily, I went to the shops and ended up hearing just the last bit of TXFM, which was really odd. Like just, you know, people talking, they played a song and then just radio silence. Like That's mad. Literally listen to the station die. But yeah, what, what got you into radio? Well, how did you get into play? Like what was... It was true kind of, I think it was the girlfriend at the time while the family was friends with uh, Carl. Um, he, funny enough, actually, like kind of stayed friends with, went to college with later on, and he just kind of knew I was DJing, and you know, at the time it was kind of playing around mostly clubs in town. And he was like, "Here, do you want to get on the radio station? Send me a mix. Everything it's good. You can hop in." And there was happy out, and then started doing that for a while. So that was good, a good run for a while, and uh, it's cool. Kind of with the frequency, kind of have people tune in, and then they'd be sending you in, you know, the thumbs up on the track or the odd request or something like that. You, like I'd find these gems or like tracks I'd love, and I just like I could be just joking about dropping the same one week in, week out, and you know, you get every so often you get. So and be like, you didn't play that track yet, so this fire this week. So it's like, you know, can we hear it or whatever? And then you had the uh, a good international basis as well, which was cool. Yeah, that that's just kind of what started me in there and kind of being musically involved with the ins and outs of being behind the microphone. And still remember the first show was really weird though. It was kind of like. Uh, okay <laughs> and then it's just like right tunes coming up and you're trying to talk about it and you're like it takes a little bit to get into the rhythm it can be a bit you know the apprehension's there you're kind of like oh what do i say and you have things planned and you just kind of want to go with the flow or whatever Do you remember, were you gigging when it was pay for play with a lot of people? I remember that, yeah. Like Some really dodgy fuckers walking around. Yeah, yeah. Like, I actually, I still see one or two of them coming in out of the academy and uh, they now moved on to um, boy bands. So they're, they're getting all the teenage screaming girls and, oh man. It's it's really hard to try and not stab somebody with the plastic fork that you're holding at the time and kind of going, I remember you, I went to my, you were my first gig technically, like, and I remember my mate had to go and sell 20 tickets or else he couldn't play. And after being in the game for so long, it's like, you do the math or as soon as you're old enough to do the math and then you're like, fuck you guy. It's baffling, you know? Yeah, it's weird how that one kind of comes in and the pay-to-play afterwards. I think, as a whole, I don't know. Unfortunately, it's like anything. Somebody else is always going to do the job or do the gig or do whatever it is for a slight bit less or for free because they have, whether they're gaining the experience, they have almost the right amount of experience, or they are just like, oh, I can do that 
and I'll get this much money, but it's instead of no money when I'm not do the thing. Yeah, of course I'm gonna do that. You know, it's kind of more like everybody just needs to band together and make a decision, or else it's just a case of to what extent you get down to it, where it's like the opposite, where there's like an arts law put in place and people can start doing things unless they're rewarded. I mean, look, ideal world. If we could just really keep know that and pipeline it where it's all singularity and like, you know, we all get free because like the solar powered machines are freeing us up from our jobs and we can all just go be creative and trade art for a living. And, you know, we don't have to actually worry about all this fucking shite that we have to do to to do the things we love. Yes, it'd be amazing because we could just do all the stuff we love for free all the time. But that's not going to happen, at least not in our generation, or as long as there's big meanies in power. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's funny because I'm not on that side of it. I'm usually just trying to get other people's art and ideas and everything out there and help them. So I always see it as whatever I'm involved in, let's let's go equal share on this or where, where the worth and the value is, you know, that way it's it's... It's usually kind of like where my input would be, you know, but um, yeah, I don't know where exactly or how you could draw the line on it, like moving on, you know, it's I, I think it, it would literally have to be a case in all, of an all or nothing from everybody across the board, which I mean, how likely is that going to be? That's tricky. I suppose it's the fact that in order to be a good band it takes a while, mm-hmm. but in order to be a band that can stand on the stage and you know, play Wonderwall or whatever. It doesn't take that long. They're the ones that are getting the money. I mean, I've been in and out of, of venues and bars and everything. And uh, one, of the, one of the last ones, say, I, I did their example, was uh, I had, like, fresh meat going down in the mess. And it was great. We were getting brand new bands and getting them a few quid. Straight off the bar, I was running some of the advertisements. Uh, you know, everybody left with equal share, kind of got original poster art, got like one of the other local artists out there as well, got him some dollar photography or some dollar and it was all great. It was free in, there was no worry. But then it was like, oh yeah, we really like your music and what you're picking and everything you're doing, but we're just going to go back to a cover band. It's like, okay, wh- why? Like, just stick on the fucking radio then. Seriously. I mean, I'm, I'm all for the musicians that are going out and maybe doing the wedding band or whether they're doing a cover gig here, like down the country to help fund their band. And it's like they're gaining from playing Wonderwall and fucking whatever the, the crowd want to hear each week. And it's all going and sinking into the rehearsal space with their, with their bandmates. And if you could go and put in the hours and the time and the knowledge and everything that goes into to doing all that it's like to get the turnaround and and you know maybe just get a few people in the door to hear what you have to say and i think that's where i think it's the mentality is is where it's wrong you know it's kind of people are rather than not want to and try to hear original music and and see it as art i think it's it's not the saturation um because i think we should be it's something we should be overjoyed with like i mean dublin is filled with some of the most amazing artists across the board especially the music scene and um, we couldn't be luckier like i mean each night of the week you could go out and you could either you could okay, you could go down and catch a covers gig or else you could go see original music somewhere and some of it be free generally it's under 10 euro and you know it's amazing the alternative stuff i think is ever so slightly starting to get that little bit more attention and get out of the country but you find that unless you're fucking 
I don't know, it's still making bigger money elsewhere, but like whether you're the script or you're Hosier, you're still leaving Ireland. You know, you could be in so watching from afar and enemies and stuff, but you're still leaving here. I don't know, it's like even if you pop across the pond to the UK, it's it's the amount of people that are, are there and wanting to hear certain types and genres of music and everything as well that has a big effect on it, I think. Like on the one hand, obviously we're a small market in comparison to the UK, in comparison to, to other places. But I do think what the UK has, just this culture of, you know, every single week they would have a new band who are going to be the biggest band on earth. And maybe one in 20 of those would actually become anything. I mean, a shitty way of saying it is hype. But another way of saying it is like belief in the talent and resources of your own country. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, like Hot Press to an extent does that, but I don't know. I think uh, now, like, I don't know, I could be shooting myself in the foot by saying I don't read Hot Press. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, it's it's again where the music taste lies. I could turn around and I could hit up the same people that have reputable blogs and I'm like, here's this really cool thing that nobody's heard of before and you're trying to push it out there to them and you're kind of like, you know, it, it doesn't get grabbed and you're kind of like, right, fair enough. And that's music taste at the end of the day, you know? And like, I, I've been behind some Irish bands and been like subtly kind of behind the scenes trying to manage them, whether it's down to like social media, just not looking like a... Uh, like you know a newbie toy that doesn't have anything it's like dude it's just like that photo of you guys just hanging out in the car like just take take one evening out here's my mate they're like you know they're doing photography in college they're pretty good they're more than happy to do this kind of thing let's just come together and let's just get you like a cool like band photo i know it's in so minimal sometimes to some people but they're like it it does make a difference like it's that little bit of the icing on the cake and it's like you know like you know yourself if you're if you're browsing what grabs your attention like if you're browsing through things was like even in a similar artist list to someone you like a name and a picture the first thing you see you know and like that that visual can just like make you jump or skip or hop without even going in because you don't have time to go into everything so the more the more intriguing that is to begin with and like if you can hone that visual to a to a what you think your target market's taste is then yeah you're gonna it, it's gonna work a little bit more you know you're, you're like if you're a big fucking death metal grindcore band you're gonna want the fucking mad shit badass writing there like that looks like deathcore writing you know because what's gonna happen is who's ever a deathcore fan flicking true will see and it's like oh I must check these guys out because you know I can't make out what their name is so they're obviously I must like them <laughs> you know um, I don't know the, the hot press thing it's it's uh like I mean I flick through it and it's it's good I think I think my taste is a little bit like I said, I haven't picked it up, but for what I what I grab off the covers and the, the main articles, it's usually a little bit more 
mainstream and no kind of disrespect it's regard to anybody that that that's on it i mean like there's some bands that i really love that make the cover the bark run the cover yeah exactly they're fantastic it's great to see that kind of being put through i don't know like i mean uh, more often than not, hot press are throwing like somebody that's not Irish on the cover. You know, that's your big hitter. You know, you're going by, you see it in the windows all the time. Hot press are are, are spending a few quid and getting their their a whatevers in the window, yeah. and it's like, look at this, and here's the title, and it's like that's what's going to grab your attention. And yeah, fair enough. Okay, if Lena Cohen makes pick up a you know an issue with hot press, and you flick through it and you catch an Irish band in there, amazing. You know. Um, but I don't know. Again, I think it's it's definitely a taste thing there. Because, well, yeah, it is that thing where on the one hand, you would love for Hot Press to um, just be like, because I just think about reading Enemy back when I read Enemy and they'd be like, you know, the horrors, they're the best band you're ever going to hear. They're going to make your life. And then the next week they'd be like Kaiser Chiefs or whatever. Mm. And, you know, they'd often be wrong. But I think the the way that they pushed their magazine was just on pure kind of, look at this fucking thing. Whereas Hot Press, you kind of feel on the one hand, uh, they have to, uh, you know, stay open. They have to sell some magazines, otherwise they're of no good to anyone. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like how many Irish bands have they just fucking championed? Do you get what I'm saying? The, the difference between being like, hey, Lisa Hannigan has a new album. That's cool. And going, yeah. you haven't heard of Lisa Hannigan. She's going to be fucking huge. Now, I know that's not possible because of Damien Rice, but... Yeah, no, no. I, I, I hear what you're saying there. I mean, you're thinking that like... I mean, but is it in the search? Is it like, are we just using the wrong mediums? Are you thinking that we need something... That is the Ireland, I like the Ireland's answer to enemy. Is it like within that? Like, how can we do it? I don't know. I, I think, well, I think, uh, and this is my very uneducated opinion, but I do think part of it does have to come from investment. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it has to come from uh, creating some kind of internal infrastructure within Ireland that allows bands just a little breathing room, just a little chance to, like, in the most focused way, fuck around and find themselves and find their audience where I think a lot of bands are are coming out and by the time they've found their audience, by the time they have their shit together, um, they're dead. They're just, it's been such a financial and time and crushing strain that by the time they actually get that hint of, of the air of publicity, they just don't have the heart for it anymore because it's been such a slog. Yeah, I definitely know many a band that fits exactly what you just said. They release an album and then four months later they're like, look, we all love each other. But and the, Yeah, we all love each other. Wink, <laughs> wink. And it's like, by the way, that like, like, you know, bit of blood on the back of the album is our bassist and the tears are like our lead singers and like the drummers actually left the country. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that wiggle room, it's, it is, it's like... I mean, it's the slave labor that's that's put into it. Like, I mean, like I said again, let's just let the robots take over and and like fund ourselves, and we can just be creative forever. Like, it'd be fantastic. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's the ongoing struggle and something that I keep trying to revisit and keep fresh, even in the personal way. Of um, you know, I've been dealing with Irish bands for twelve years now, and. 
you know, you, you get a couple that you like and you're kind of like, right, they fall into the sound that you like. And it's like, you know what I think is working at the moment. Try work them with their own gigs. Try work them on their own tours. Try give them some PR help. Try get them supporting big bands. Try, you know, now trying to get them out of the country is my next thing. There's a couple of other things up my sleeve. It's not even about finding, like, it's, it's there's always freshness there. There's always an amazing band. But it's it's really about kind of, fighting through that wall and getting people to listen to them because like even it's the same as where people's appreciation for for art and for music in general like you know when I say art like as in as in music it's like there is an awful amount of it here and then at the same time we're all busy and we're all trying to pay bills and we all can't do everything at the same time and then again you know I think as I said it is such that like by the time somebody finally gets around to getting that like even if it gets to the point, it's like, okay, it's not just our mate to the gig anymore. Or even then it gets down to that end of it, they release the album. They're just, they are, they're dead. And it's, but they're, they're probably killing each other because of so many other things that are going on in their lives. So when they get to a jamming room, it's like, you know, the only breather that they have all week and they just, and they're trying to take out all their fucking, their, their week into a room and it's a couple of closed walls and it's probably a really dark space with no oxygen or windows and it's, you know, unfortunately as well, you could be the best musicians and musically you could vibe off each other but personalities and opinions clash as well and it's, it's, it's hard going, you know, um, but yeah, I don't know. How do we get the more wiggle room, really? examples i suppose um canada and, and iceland are are two pretty big examples like iceland is the great one in terms of us where i'm pretty sure they have like like half a million people less than half a million the yes yeah, so, i mean some of the bands have been over there recently like i mean even as far as i know like the icelandic um art scheme is is, is something where they're, they're actually they'll putting a good bit of money into their acts to send them out of the country mm. as well as taking a few of them in same with Canada like the likes of so I mean Melody's were over there in Iceland there recently they did like two festivals and played a couple of gigs I think and then earlier on in the year I think we had Overhead Melty's and uh, Now Search Party Animal formerly Bagels were over in Canada and I know like the likes of Alarmist are you know digging it over there they've been over once or twice and it, but it's all about tapping into that arts council and the funding and, and how to do it. There's actually one of the girls there. She wrote her thesis on the the Icelandic arts council and the scheme there recently. It's, I've yet to get her, like my hands and read it, but it's it's been all my to do list. And this is just a reminder, more so an out loud reminder to go and do that thing. But like I, even with that, then if we just have that reflection on here, it's like the arts council is like 
they're they're tight as here you know it's a struggle to get anything out of them really you know it has to be big and bold and and different i mean you need to find something that hasn't been done for them to kind of and like across the board for a lot of funding because like nearly anybody can go up and be like hey i just want to put a lot of bands on here cool so does everybody else hey i'm in a band and we want some money to play cool so does everybody else you know it has to has to be fresh it has to have something more to it if it doesn't have that you're not getting the dollar <laughs> but i know as well like you look at i'm i could be wrong on this i'm pretty sure like knock and has applied for that uh, a few years and hasn't got like knock and stocking is such an amazing endeavor and such a labor of love and from the point of view of a functioning festival like for that to be put on by you know a few people essentially at the core of it that's a an amazing feat and for the government to not feel like they should throw a bit of support behind you know people with that kind of vision it's it's shocking to me knocking stocking is the heart of festivals here it always has been it's filled with irish its ingredients are all irish you know that way and they're but they're not you know you'll, you'll still get the odd international wonder that's coming true at the time and they're they're happy to be like yeah come down play with us come see some other irish lads play you know and um the vibe and the mentality down there is always fantastic and the attention to detail is always great and again the staff and crew they just put their blood sweat and tears into it all year round and i i think they've just overall I mean, between that and, the, again, there's a crossover with Sweeney's and they'd be the same staff and they're after taking a fucking huge smash now this year with the whole kind of break and knock and stocking, which is well-deserved. I know for this year, just gone, they definitely were like, we've literally paid every single band, which is fantastic. And, they're, you know, they're they're on that, that run of, like, one of the first festivals to ever do that. And, again, that falls back in with what I was saying earlier on, is, like, no matter who you are playing whose festival, you know, it could be a fucking MCD festival and there could be a couple of slots at the beginning. They're like, cool, we'll get a couple of Irish locals in here. And then the first ones they ask could be like, you know, well, we want a bit of dollar for it. And they're like, yeah, okay. But, you know, like Harry next in line here, he's just going to do it for a few beers. So guess what we're going to do? Because we love money, you know, kind of business. You know, it's where the love and the labor lies in, whether it's stuff like that, that like it breaks and makes knock and stock. It's, it's the same for it's the same for I suppose even like music if you look up like uh, you want people to hear your music as well you know and it's like where you're going to get the chance to do it is on the stage and you initially are stepping into a world where it's like right we make good music like you could be one of the best bands out there about to be one of the best bands you could be up there like with your talent levels your skill your technicality your stage presence your everything you could be like color coded in the fanciest suits and have it all you know and uh you it it the thing is if if you don't have anything to back it up you're you're walking in the game is set no you're playing for free until you make something of yourself
that's that's hopefully now the aim as well for me like in the next year and to kind of keep that irish scene kicking because it, it's a bit tricky at the moment with the lack of venues or the venues closing down yeah. we've lost sweeney's which is three floors of venues the mercantile did go earlier on in the year there was a loss of twisted pepper which is now wigwam but it's kind of only set up for djs really yeah. grand social is now not doing it kind of dabbled in the late night music here and there and then that's strictly finished down with 11 for the, the Wawa Club afterwards. You, you'll get people going to clubs because they fall under a certain genre. And, but for the best part, I think a lot of them are still flocking because it's their Saturday night out, you know. And there's a mix there, you know. Like, you'll still get avid disco heads and avid techno heads and things like that. And they're in there and they're like, well, this these guys are creating great nights and no matter who I go, I always have a great time, you know, and it's simple as fear off the bat or else they can, or they still be into like their big names all the time and they'll pay a few quid extra to go and see them. But yeah, the late night music thing, I mean, like Fibbers had it, but at the same time, everybody's, the Fibbers train was ridden and gone. And, you know, if you're not even, even the heavy bands, seem to be kind of a little bit himmy and high about fibbers you know and kind of i mean don't get me wrong i still love the place and it can be the best gig and the worst gig i mean you can say that as well across the board for some venues but the it's kind of seems to be the only one really sitting in there with the late nighting whelan's is doing it but i think it's not it's not doing it in the sense where it's not like walking into your sweeney's Sweeney's getting shut down is such a massive blow in that regard because the amount of bands who have just learned how to not suck in that you know they go on stage and they have an all right gig and then you see them six months later and they've got their shit together and they've played two or three gigs in the meantime you know uh that's it's such a blooding process and it's 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 scary as shit (laughs) and like but but and again i mean it brings it back a little bit but if you're a band and you haven't played to Fair enough, in the studio, in your rehearsal room, you could be fucking the shit. You could go up there and and sometimes it's it's harder to play. You could be playing to a quiet room of four people and you're going to shit your cacks because there's only four people there and the attention's on as regards to 400 people there. And I mean, it, it is, where's that, that breaking point? And that's, we, we need that. And I think you know whether from the young age and upwards you know that way and it's there is still going to be kids out there that are going to want to play in bands are going to want to do this thing and um i mean there, there is great access there i mean the internet's never been better for anything yeah i mean we can sit there and you can you can unfortunately you might still get your bad habits that you might have to break later on because nobody on the far side of a youtube video is going to tell you that your fucking finger sticking out the wrong way when you're holding something but uh the platforms are important you know and and uh whether it's and battle of the bands or whether it's it's sweeney's um like you know just something that has that bit more of an ease and less restrictions and less kind of you want a band to be able to go and do these things without having to worry about all the extras to begin with you know or else they're they're just gonna start shying away from it and just won't happen anymore
I think regardless of how how school works or not, you kind of end up, well, not everyone, but you kind of end up finding your path. Just you kind of have to. Yeah, I think, again, that's the determination thing. Yeah. You know, it's if you kind of know what you want, you you will go for it. You will chase it down and you'll do whatever it takes to get there. And at least if if you fail and you, you've given it your all and, you know, at least you know you can sleep well, that you've tried your best at absolutely everything. Because if you give up and you, you don't, you give up too soon, it's going to eat away at you for the rest of your life. It's going to make you unhappy and it's going to come back out in ways that you you don't expect it to or even even can recognize it but that's what it is it's it's that kind of giving up on on hopes and dreams as cheesy as it sounds it, it comes back and it bites you in the ass like i spent a lot of my time just going to festivals gigs exhibitions like i was one of the kids that got snuck into the hardcore shows on tuesday nights down the back brought through the back door of the voodoo lounge and still had to leg a home for last bus or else i get the fucking head clipped off me you know and then the bouncers see you coming out the far side and they'd know you'd be under 18 but like looking back and at times i kind of i suppose analyzing it all i think i was just doing my own school work the whole time and just because that's all i did you know, and between that and all fun and messing that you do growing up, but uh, I mean, do you know your your end of year graduation booklet thing, and it's like, what will you be doing in X amount of years? And mine just says like something big in music or whatever. So I'm on route. I think you know, it's like the uh, I can, I can feed myself. <laughs> so like you know, I think that that that's a lot to be said these days, considering the, what we were talking about earlier on. You know, like I was running gigs and doing working in gigs since I was fourteen, and it's it's where I feel most at home. Always has been. And what was what was your first gig? I'm pretty sure the first gig I ever went to was. I'm pretty sure it was a. Uh, a he who shall not be named, Paddy Fogarty gig. <laughs> um, and one of my mates I remember buying it. Like I, that's a very vivid early memory in the in the back of the legal eagle. Um, and then that kind of opened me up to the blast and the chalk white stuff, um, the all ages stuff. And then from there, I ended up working with Blast and doing all of those gigs for years afterwards. And then kind of leading on to doing my own. Um, first international gig. My choice was Marilyn Manson, um, which was actually in support of Iron Maiden, but I was a Marilyn Manson fan. And what, like, over the course of your time, because, like, you have been doing it since you're 14, what are the this kind of standout moments for you in terms of promotion? I think the Toe gig earlier on this year with This yeah. Town Needs Guns, Yonan and Steve Strong was just... Like, I was standing in the back of the button factory after being forced to open up the balcony because the, the venue was filling up and it was just kind of like... Yeah, this is happening. Cool. Like, I sweated over that gig for about... Oh, easily two years. Two years, if not yeah. longer, like, trying to get them over here and, and make it all happen. It was do or die. It was kind of like you're bringing in a lot of bands off a festival touring circuit, a massive band's debut here that is like influential to a lot of the music that's actually managed to leave this country that isn't just radio friendly. Kind of at that point is like you're as good as your last gig. The 
the reputation and the like even the production making sure everything goes like it's kind of when you're doing it all yourself now don't get me wrong i've i've still had uh, i always say that kind of involuntarily to an extent where I've always had fantastic help along the way. I mean, I've had guys just pitching in and lugging gear or fucking just being there on the day, being spare, spare set of hands, like help me fucking do some like online like work. There's a lot riding on my head, more so. And the thing is, is as great as all their help is, it's if it doesn't work, it's only me. Yeah, that was, that was kind of one of those moments though overall that it was like, yeah, we we did it. We did a big one, you know that way. And it's it's set it's set up now. I mean, to kind of, I don't know, like getting the phone call because you're starting to get recognised as the guy that knows things for various elements is always pretty good. Like when you can turn around and ring your mates and kind of go, uh, "Yeah, you want to support sixty five days of static?" And then they start losing the shit down the phone. That's like one of the best things that can come from it. You're doing all this behind the thing work and like it's not, it's never for me being up on stage. It's, it's to make those phone calls and go, you're getting to play with this person. You're getting to support this person. Guess what? I, I've just got you a five day tour around Ireland. Thanks so much to Dean Venture for chatting with me today. You can find links to all of Venture Presents online presence at our website, thearteries.org. All of the music for today's show was provided by Glomar. If you enjoyed the show, you know what? Hit us up. Let us know. It means a lot. The show was produced and edited by David Canton and presented by me, Noel Duplat. Thank you for listening. This has been The Arteries.
Пусть его и